Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Kate Fowler, and I am joined by Father Frank Donio and Chris Pierno, and we will be discussing parish faith formation with our guest, Leonard Wathen, who is the Director of Religious Education at St. Aloysius Church in Leonardtown, Maryland. He holds a master's degree in theology from Christendom College and an advanced apostolic catechetical diploma from the Holy See. Welcome, Leonard, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for the invitation. Great to be with you all. So I wanted to just start off by asking you a little bit about how you got involved in parish faith formation. Um, was this some, something that you always, um, an area that you always thought you would be working in? Definitely not an area that I always thought I'd be working in. Um, when I was in high school and going into college, I actually was was planning on studying physics and, and thought I would be either an engineer or a professor or something along those lines because I really enjoyed science. But between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I encountered the Lord in a pretty powerful way and began to be more and more convinced of not only the the Catholic faith in which I was raised, but uh, the gospel in general. And um, I had a real desire to do something to serve the Lord. Um, I felt that I was called to to married life, so so I, I didn't really know what what uh, serving the church might look like. But to make a long story short, I eventually ended up um, in a parish as a director of religious ed, and I've been at St. Aloysius for 19 years now. So it's been it's been quite an adventure. Tell us a, a little bit about the the parish. So that you've been in in to, you've had maybe how how many pastors have you had in 19 years. That's a that's a pretty long tenure. It is a pretty long tenure, but but just three. Uh, so my first, the pastor that hired me, I worked with him for just over a year. And then um, the, the second pastor I was with for about eight years, if memory serves correctly. And then now I've been with that third pastor for just about 10 years. So, so uh, I've been blessed to have some stability over that time. And the, the parish, um, if you're looking for a general profile, is a modest-sized parish. I'd say we have about 400 people who attend Mass on a given weekend, um, and we have a it's, a... it's a very historic parish. We have uh, over 300 years of history. We were established in 1710 in, in rural Southern Maryland, or at least historically rural Southern Maryland, where Catholicism has deep roots. So it's, it's a parish with a long history, and it's a, a privilege to be a part of it. Tell us a little bit about, so are you a director of religious ed and, right. and faith formation at, at the parish as well? So you have a combination of duties around dealing with, I guess, uh, form, forming our young people, but also, you know, the, the general parish community. How do the, how do you, how do those think two things either, I don't want to say separate, but I guess you know how how do you how do you do both of those jobs let's say sure yeah that's a that's a great question and it's it's i guess a challenge of time management but there there's definitely a um holistic approach i guess when you when you consider the the whole parish as your as your mission field and um although i initially spent a lot more time with children's religious education just because of my job title at the time um that that has expanded more and more to include 
not only youth ministry, but also adult faith formation. We don't, we don't have a huge youth ministry program. It's just an occasional gathering of teens, to be honest. But, um, but essentially, it's just seeing where the needs are and, and uh, relying on the help of good volunteers and doing our best to, to uh, provide as much of a robust program or programs as, as we can. And there are lots of great volunteers that help to make that happen, for sure. That probably wouldn't work in a large parish, but but uh, it does in our situation. Yes, and and to be in a, a smaller historic parish, and and the reality of of the community now is the community changing in that in that area, or does it, is it a a stable long term community um, that that you that you're working with? Most of the parish, I would say, is fairly stable, but there is a, there is a significant contingent, a noticeable contingent that comes and goes because of uh, the military base that is is part of our community. So we have a number of individuals that are always coming and going. And then there's that that larger contingent that uh, that has remained stable even over the 20 years that I've been there. But for, for certain, a number of um, a number of our families uh, are tied to a Patuxent River Naval Air Station and therefore come and go. And that does provide uh, some some ups and downs and some changes from year to year. So in those almost two decades that you, that you've been been doing this, what have what has changed? What do you see as as a from when you started mm-hmm. in this field and in this uh, this particular area of pastoral work? And and what does it look like now? Well, I think like most parishes, we have experienced a decline in numbers over those 20 years. And 20 years ago, there's a fairly sizable, a relatively sizable uh, religious education program for children. There wasn't much adult faith formation going on at the time, but there were just a number of Catholics who ha- had been raised culturally Catholic that just continued bringing their kids to faith formation to prepare for the sacraments, etc., and as that, as that expectation of raising your kids Catholic has begun to change, as we see throughout the country, there has been a general decline in membership. But at the same time, that has brought, in some ways, an increased intentionality among those who continue to go to Mass and those who continue to bring their children to faith formation, those who are now engaged in adult faith formation or whose who's Kids are involved in youth ministry, so the numbers are smaller. But there's a and there's an increased intentionality, um, and that's also brought a, a change in my own approach in ministry. Um, I think when I initially began 20 years ago, um, I, I came in with a with a strong theological background and thought, well, we're just going to we're going to uh, set up a good conveyor belt. Not the, in exactly the words that I was thinking, but that's more or less my m- mentality. Set up the conveyor belt that's going to keep everybody Catholic, and this parish is going to thrive. And and the reality is that there's no conveyor belt that can really make disciples. There's a there's a need for um, for one-on-one ministry and for for uh, the continued call to conversion and meeting people where they're at. Um, so my approach to ministry has certainly changed, but in part because we realize, as uh, as many of us have realized that uh, cultural Catholicism is no longer sufficient. Instead, there needs to be an intentional discipleship, as uh, many of us are familiar with Sherry Waddell's phrase. 
uh, needs to be an intentional conversion to the Lord and a deeper and deeper awareness of of um, His saving work. And what would you say for you defines a successful or thriving parish faith formation program? I know answers will vary depending on the parish, the size, the congregation, but for you, what would you say um, looks like a successful program or what are some key things that, that must be going on for a parish faith formation program to thrive? About 10 years ago, someone asked me a similar question um, in, in, a, in a parish pastoral council meeting. They, they asked a little more directed, what are the metrics that you're looking for and, and how are we doing in meeting those metrics for our children's faith formation? And as I thought about it, I gave a, a very sincere answer which isn't too satisfying, but, but is, is sincere nonetheless. Our goal is to get all of the kids in our program to heaven, and it's going to be a while until I know how well we've done. <laughs> but um, on a more practical basis, I'd say that one of the most obvious metrics is, is um, are families engaged in participating in Mass? Um, is there evidence that they're falling in love with Jesus and that they, they, they know and love the Catholic faith? Is there evidence that they're maturing in in their understanding and uh, living out of the Catholic faith? Uh, do they do teens and young adults remain active after confirmation in the parish? Um, are there signs of conversion? I think those are some of the things that might look for. So I think a lot of the um, I think there's a group of people that are our listeners that are probably working uh, as we call them church professionals, much like yourself. Sure. Um, could you share some, um, particularly from your experience, some some particular program or idea that you think has actually, you know, has worked out and and been, in your opinion, successful and kind of fulfilled some of the metrics that you're, you know, you were just talking about? Sure, I would definitely caution that uh, I don't have all the answers. I haven't figured everything <laughs> out yet. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, no. But but I will say that one one thing that we've been working on more deliberately in the, the past few years uh, is, is making sure that our children's faith formation is more family-centered. And by that, our approach hasn't been to to eliminate grade-specific classroom time in favor of parent-led instruction at home, which is the route that some parents, or rather some parishes have taken. But instead, we've tried for a kind of hybrid model where we maintain the grade-specific classroom instruction, but are very intentional in making sure that parents understand that they are the primary catechists of their kids, because statistics show over and over again that the number one factor in determining whether a child is going to continue in faith into adulthood is what they see their parents doing. Um, there's one saying from the sociologist Christian Smith who says that parents generally get what they are. In other words, their kids will tend to become the type of Catholics that, that they are, whether nominal or, or, or intentional. Uh, and so we have been partnering with parents a lot more intentionally, trying to make sure that they understand the, the responsibility and the privilege that we have as parents informing our kids as disciples of Jesus. So for us, what we've been working on is providing parent instruction once a month to our parents as their kids are doing the, the normal Sunday um, classroom instruction. And also once a month providing what we call community 
Sunday where where both parents and kids are doing activities together that are reinforcing the Catholic faith and providing an opportunity for for conversation about the Catholic faith just to break the ice so that parents are comfortable talking about talking about faith based things with their kids uh, which might seem fairly simple to some but it can be kind of awkward if you've never had that kind of spiritual conversation with yeah, your kids. for uh, sure. So, I, Kate, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was oh, just no, going to say, Kate, Kate and I are both parents of young, younger kids. Kate has little, has, well, I should say far more experience than I, uh, in terms of, uh, in this process, but we've had a number of podcast episodes where we've talked about, um, parent parenting and, and exactly what you're describing. The, the idea that, the, the parents are the first formators and, and have that responsibility. And I will say my kids, my kids almost four, right? So he's just starting to that, you know, he's not obviously not in any classroom instruction or anything, but the thoughts are starting to percolate in my head right. about, uh, gee, I, you were mentioning like, um, providing resources to the parents. Gosh, I hope my parish does something like that because that would be certainly very helpful. I, and um, I think that that's, uh, it's a daunting task. And I think some, I think you're right. Parents, it, I don't know what to say or what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, you know, how do you deal with maybe like, what do you say to a parent that maybe um, they've realized maybe they weren't well catechized, right? And how do they ensure that they're doing the right things? Um, you know, saying the right things. What, what can, can you say anything to like assuage them and let them know that things are going to be okay? Sure. That, that's a, that's a great, a great question. And one thing that I've tried to encourage parents to, to think about is that the phrase primary catechist of, of children, which is the phrase the church uses, doesn't mean that you need to be an expert theologian or an expert teacher in order to to be an effective witness to your kids. It simply means that through your sincere words and through your sincere efforts to live out the Catholic faith, that your your kids are going to learn from you. Um, so they they don't need to have a big burden on their shoulder to think that that they somehow have to have all of the answers because no one has all of the answers. But but um, rather to have a motivation just just do their best um, by God's grace. To, to live out the Catholic faith and to hand on that to their kids. Um, I, I think that's, that's really all we're called to. Could you give an example of one of the monthly get-togethers that you were talking about, um, how the, where you have these experiences where parents and children can get together and, like you said, break the ice? Can you give an example or two of, of what that might look like? Sure. So this past Sunday was our Community Sunday, and we, we did a a um, lived lexio experience where um, where we had the 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 parable of the the treasure uh, that we that we read, and then we uh, did a, a scavenger hunt, actually a geocaching scavenger hunt around the parish campus with uh, parents and kids looking for various clues around the campus, which which ended up back at the at the uh, the church where we had an opportunity to to pray together and and send them on their way. So it was an opportunity to encounter scripture, just to have fun with mom and dad or, or one or the other, and, and then pray a bit. Um, and that was actually organized by, by an, another um, 
ministry that was visiting uh, called Mercy Tree Adventures. So I don't want to take credit for that idea. But, but those are the kinds of, of things that we tend to do. Other things that we've, that we've tended to do would include um, opportunities for, for liturgical things like adoration and confession with the family, um, or a, a simple Kahoot trivia game, or breakout sessions where, where older kids are doing a trivia game while young, younger kids are, are doing crafts. Um, so, so we try to mix it up a little bit, but the idea is to provide opportunities for parents and kids just to do fun things together that are enforcing the faith in some way. You made, you made the point earlier that you are not doing this alone, in that while you are the pe- person directing this, this aspects of faith formation of children and young people, but also of adults, that you have people who are assisting you in terms of volunteers and so forth. Some people, of course, have made commentary over the years about religious education programs and being a product of a religious education program myself. Uh, the the people who were doing the catechis, uh, the catechetical work, sometimes were very good and well, very well formed. Sometimes were not. They were always mm-hmm. sincere, sure. And I, in in terms of their faith and their desire. So when when you're working with these folks who are giving of their time generously uh, to to enter into assisting in the faith formation, particularly of children uh, and and young people, what what ways in which what do you do to go about forming them uh, for that particular work within the church? I would say first of all, when it comes to recruiting volunteers, the the one number one thing that I'm tend to be looking for in a volunteer, not that there are masses that are that are lining up at the doors trying to uh, stampede their way into the classroom. But the number one thing that I'm generally looking for in a catechist is someone who is living out the Catholic faith, someone who I, I see on Sunday, someone who seems to have uh, an understanding of the Catholic faith and uh, a sincerity, as you mentioned, of the Catholic faith. And that really does does lay the, the strong foundation. Thankfully, there are, there are also great um, tools available uh, through both the Archdiocese of Washington and others for for catechist formation, uh, which is which is very helpful. But I've also more recently been making sure that as a team, the catechists are meeting once a month to make sure that everyone is not only up to date on the practicalities of the program, but uh, is able to share best practices and and continue to pray together and grow spiritually. Um, so I, I think that continued contact is is an important part of ongoing formation for catechists. Over your past almost two decades, um, what would you say are some of the challenges that you faced um, in in parish life with faith formation? I think that the biggest challenge is is simply um, wrestling with the culture in which we're in. And I want to be careful in the way I'm saying it because I, I don't want to. I don't want to fall into the trap of sounding like a prophet of doom or something like that. But but we are in a culture, a secular culture, in which the Catholic faith is very countercultural. And the, the phrase that 
has often been used by Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and now Pope Francis is, is the idea of practical atheism. That even, even people who have an intellectual belief at some level in the existence of God and perhaps even the details of the Catholic faith, we often tend to live as if God doesn't exist. And this is true even of those who may come to Mass, if not every Sunday, at least occasionally. We, we know that God is there, but we haven't quite figured out how to integrate that faith into the, the details of our, of our daily lives. So one of the things that I am very intentional about, both in adult faith formation and in, um, in youth ministry and then also in the, the children's faith formation, is um, reminding reminding people to the best of my ability that God is real and God has and belief in God, faith in Jesus Christ, ha- should make a real difference in our lives. It ought to it ought to change the way we think and the way we act. Um, and that's not to that's not to um, at all sound condemnatory. It's 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 an invitation to, to the richness of the gospel. Um, one of the my favorite quotes is one from St. Teresa of Avila, who says, God alone is enough. Um, in other words, it, there's nothing else that can really satisfy our hearts. And, and that's, that's the message that I try to get across that, that, that counters that practical atheism, that all of us have a longing for God. And just checking the boxes, whether intellectually or behaviorally, is not enough. We need to, we need to have this real encounter with, with God that transforms us. That happens through prayer. That happens through a real sincere participation in the sacraments. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, similar says, God alone satisfies the same basic idea. Um, so the challenge, I'd say, is a practical atheism. And the solution is just reintroducing the gospel time and time again, that, that call to, to deep communion with the Lord through Jesus. So what if someone is interested in doing this kind of work, uh, whether being uh director of religious ed or, or trying to get, um, you know, into the faith formation field at a parish, you know, do you, what are some of the ways in which someone might put themselves on that path? Although there's not one program, obviously, that's going to prepare you. That was sort of a loaded question. Sure. sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's not really one program that's going to lead you into being a DRE. I think, honestly, most people kind of fall into it (laughs) one way or the other. That was the case for me. I knew I wanted to study theology. I didn't know how I was going to use it. Um, And then parish work uh, by God's providence fell in my lap, and I'm very happy that it did. Uh, But for those who who know that 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 was what they wanted to do, that's what God's calling them to do. I would definitely suggest some form of, of of a formal education in theology. There are, of course, many great on-site, on-campus programs at good Catholic colleges. There are also a lot of distance programs, like the Augustine Institute, now Christendom College has distance learning, as does Franciscan University. So there are lots of great programs where you can learn at a deeper level the Catholic faith. Uh, but then beyond that, um, I, I do know many people kind of stumble into <laughs> into parish work um so so uh god often surprises us and uh we'll just trust god to keep surprising people i suppose so with the adults yes and this is a is often a challenge in many many parishes trying to provide faith formation for adults and oh it's the same 10 people you know, who show up at these different things. 
uh, in some instances, and in others, there are things that engage them more. So in, in, in these number of years in the same place, what does that look like for, for you? And maybe what have you seen beyond the parish where you are? You certainly mm-hmm. have connected with others in the archdiocese and beyond uh, other colleagues. And what are they, what do you, what's the lay of the land in terms of a formation, faith formation of adults? Thankfully, there are so many great resources available these days. I think in the past past 19, 20 years, that there's just been an explosion of, of, uh, of excellent resources that are available for adult faith formation. There are a number of, of adults who are learning independently, but I think ideally what we want to do is provide opportunities for parishioners to, to gather together, whether in small groups and, or in large groups, and uh, wrestle with topics together. I've I've seen a couple of different models that, that work really well. The most obvious is a small Bible study, whether that's in someone's home or that's in some in the, a parish hall or something like that, that um, where, where the individuals, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 15, are, are choosing studies from the variety of publishers that are out there that interest them and then are able to grow maybe even over a course of a number of years together uh, through, through those resources. The, another option that we found that works really well is to offer seasonal short uh, adult faith formation series that are just a parish-wide series. So, for example, um, for the past couple of years, uh, we've offered both Advent and Lent um, short studies of you know, between four and six weeks of uh, various topics that we just host in our parish hall with an open invitation. We um, do a potluck um, appetizers and desserts beforehand to provide some fellowship because people are really looking for a community without question. We are looking for opportunities to meet with each other and meet new friends. Um, so we do a potluck gathering and then we do usually some sort of video or live presentation and then opportunities for a small group discussion at tables. Uh, and we found that to work very well for our parish. So at, our parish isn't huge, but we have have had about um, 50 people or so coming um, each week for a series that we're working on right now as part of the National Eucharistic Revival. And uh, and that's, that's generally about the turnout that we tend to get for a series like that. And the, the great thing is that you occasionally find um, new individuals that are, that are just looking for an opportunity to learn a little more who maybe even aren't even parishioners aren't even Catholic who just kind of stumble into the series um, and are they, it's a it's a it's a um, an opportunity to learn about the Catholic faith without the discomfort for a non-Catholic of going to mass um, so I mean what I mean is there in this particular series there are three individuals who unexpectedly uh, just decided, I'd like to learn a little more about the Catholic faith. I'm not interested in RCIA, but I'm going to come to this um, this adult faith formation series, and um, they keep coming back. So that's great. Maybe God's got a plan for, for RCIA in the future. <laughs> but um, that's that's a kind of, the kind of uh, opportunity that, that has worked for us, a, a kind of hybrid of a, a large group with small groups that, that, um, that provides an opportunity to learn more. 
Leonard, was there anything else that you wanted to add or, or any final thoughts that you wanted to share? I guess if I were to try to capture one message that I would want to continue to share with, with other parish catechetical leaders is that at, at times pa- parish ministry is challenging, especially when you're lo- confronted with, with declining numbers and just the, the difficulty of of uh, retaining parishioners or the, the difficulty of engaging parishioners. But we should never lose sight of the, the beauty and the power of, of the gospel and the beauty and the power of the Catholic faith to, to transform hearts. And um, when we do see that flame lit in, in the hearts of individuals or in groups, it makes it all worth it. Um, so keep, keep on keeping on and have hope and trust in the, trust in the Lord's, the Lord's work. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Leonard. We appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience with us. Leonard is also the author of three books. Who do you say that I am? Scriptural Reflections on Becoming a Disciple of Jesus. Follow Me. Scriptural Reflections on Living as a Disciple of Jesus and remain in me, scriptural reflections on growing as a disciple of Jesus. You can find these at Amazon. If you'd also like to delve more deeply into faith formation and discipleship, we invite you to visit our website at www.catholicapostolatecenter.org and be sure to check out our resource pages on living as missionary disciples, catechesis, and our new evangelization resources. This wraps up another episode of On Mission by the Catholic Apostolate Center. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find this and other Center podcasts at catholicapostolatecenterpodcast.com or on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.